the Lord. How's the church doing this morning? Good? Praise God. My name is Pastor Derek. If you don't know who I am, I want to welcome you to Connect. And uh, I'm going to call an audible right now. Does anybody know what an audible is? I mean, we had a different play, you know, planned, but we're going to go in a different direction based on what God has planned this morning. Amen. So I want you to just do this. Stay standing. I want you to uh, maybe if you're okay with it, you can touch your neighbor. You can put your hand on their shoulder, hold their hand for a second. We're going to pray. And we're going to ask God to move in this service in a unique and special way. The Bible tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. Come on, church, join me now in your hearts and also with your ears. It says, I want men everywhere, women don't exclude yourselves, men and women everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer without anger or disputing. Let's just lift our hands as we hold our neighbor's hands. Lord, we just lift our hands up in prayer to you, God, without anger or without disputing. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would be in this room and in this place. This is your church. We are your church, oh God. We are the hands and the feet of Jesus. And we ask that we would honor you with the fruit of our lips, with our worship and with our words, oh God. We ask that you would be here, present in this place. And that, God, you would speak your words to us as individuals and also to us as a corporate body of believers. We ask that you stay here with us, God, that there be nothing we do that would quench the Spirit or nothing we would do that would stifle the Spirit, but that you would feel welcome in this place. God, move, have your way in us, your church, and we say amen, and everybody said amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a big hand clap. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. You may be seated. You may be seated. Praise God. Well, again, uh, going to go a little different direction this morning. Um, at about 4.30 this morning, really for a couple of weeks, if I'm honest, but about 4.30 this morning, I started getting stirred with a word. Uh, didn't know exactly what God was going to say. In fact, if I'm completely transparent, I was a little confused about all the happenings in our culture today and what my response would be as your under-shepherd and pastor. If you call this your home church, um, whether you're a frequent flyer or a family member, I feel I have a responsibility, and so it would be uh, irresponsible or a sin not to say something about what is going on in our world today. Amen? So we're going off book. You got a, you got a message that, you know, in a worship guide that was going in a different direction, and sometimes, you know, you're going down the road, and, and uh, an angel of the Lord will step in your path and just say, hey, you want to go over here right now, son? And so... That's what this is. Actually, it's as uh, late as 5.30 this morning. I had no idea what I would say to you. So I need you to uh, in, in, just indulge me and also um, bear with me. Um, you know, I think it's important to start the service out with praise and with worship. The Bible says we enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And so uh, sometimes I think that's just kind of our first step as we come in. And so... Uh, in, in situations like this, we just kind of create an atmosphere, and we do that with praise, and we do that with thanksgiving, amen, just to give you an idea what's going on. But it, what's going on in me, I just want to say that I'm going to, I'm really, really, really relying on the Holy Spirit and way less on preparation. And so I don't have the right words for uh, the, and, and the certainties about our situation this morning. I don't, I, I will not be able to wax eloquent um, in many ways because everything that has happened that you and I are seeing and by the way if you don't know what's going on you, you really 
you need to pray. You need to open your eyes a little bit because we're, we're, in, a, we're in unprecedented times. And uh, we are seeing certain things historically that repeat themselves in terms of their patterns. But in terms of the practices that are happening right now, whether it be Minnesota or Dallas or Louisiana or wherever it is, it's um, everything that we see right now is just wrong and, and, and uh, senseless in many respects. But I just have these cautions, I guess I want to give us, and some directives that I think God wants to give us all. And I hope that you are listening with spiritual ears. In fact, I want you to close your eyes for a second. I want to pray again. I want you to pray. And I want you to just kind of put your hand on your heart as if, you know, we want to, we want to have our hearts opened today, personally, individually. So God, I ask that you would just open all of our hearts to just speak to us as individuals. Help us to, to own our part, see our part in all of this and respond appropriately, God. Let him who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit would say in Jesus' name. Amen. There's something about human nature uh, that wants to always point at something or point at someone. It's a tendency, uh, a default, I think, in the human condition that would do that. And and when you look at our current status in our culture today, you look at the human condition in just in America today, um, you can see the senselessness of it. You can see the problems within it. And, and, and let me say it like this. What you see today is, a resu- is what happens when, they, when we have a godless nation. What you see happening is a result or response of godlessness in our nation today. And, and I'll say this. I'm sad, but I am not surprised. I'm sad, but I'm not surprised. This is what happens when people reject God, walk away from God, mock God even. And, and yet, while I'm saying that, some of our minds and our spirits go in a certain direction or a bent, or we, we kind of fall, especially as Christians in the church, we fall into a certain groove in, in like a spiritual record. And so what I want to do is I want to pull you out of that groove a little bit with this kind of uh, perspective, okay? Pastor Mark was recently teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 15, the most, one of the most famous uh, parables in the Bible, but in Luke 15 is the story of the prodigal. Anybody know the story of the prodigal, yes or no? So, and you kind of, if you don't, you certainly know the term prodigal. And, and so there's just this, this perspective that I kind of want you to have, because whether we are facing uh, racism, whether we're facing issues with anger, government, guns, whatever it is, those are all real issues. And I am not going to, uh, um, first of all, neglect to say that or say that those aren't important. But I will say this, in my opinion, those are outcomes of a root issue, okay? This, they're, they're, we don't have skin issues, we have heart issues. We don't have these external issues, we have these internal issues. Dr. Martin Luther King, who is an authority on the subjects that we're talking about in our culture today, said then that this nation has, is, in, is in a condition of spiritual poverty. The problem is spiritual. It is a spiritual condition. It is a spiritual poverty. And so as a result, we have what you see. And so the story of the prodigal relates to us because that's where the son goes out on his own. Everybody knows 
that he wanted his inheritance early. He comes to his father and he says, give me what is mine. You know, he insists on it now, this instantaneous, immediate gratification kind of thing that's happening inside of him. And the son wants to go his own way. And so guess what happens? God lets him. God lets him go his own way. Now, you might not like that, but one of the things that God won't do, he's true to his, to his nature, is he won't superimpose or he won't, uh, he won't uh, uh, come over what he's already said. He won't negate what he's already said. And he's given us choice, free will agency, this powerful spiritual muscle that we can use or abuse. It's kind of up to us. And so ultimately, and you know this to be true even in your own relationships, if you have children, that there's, you raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You train them, you train them, you train them. You explain, you explain, you explain. But at some point, if they won't do what you told them to do, you relent or you release them. Doesn't mean you don't love them, right? N nor does God not love all people. Uh, when they reject or resist uh, his ways. But every time, like the prodigal, uh, you run away from the father, you end up in a pig pen. Turn to your neighbor and say pig pen. Come on, pig pen. You end up in a pig pen. This is a, this is a picture, illustration of the human condition outside of the purpose, plans, and principles of God. When, we not, when we're not living God's ways under God's authority, we will, in an ultimate sense, eventually, it's an eventuality, we'll end up in a pig pen. That's what happened when the son went out on his own to do his own thing. And what's interesting is when this happens, another default of the human condition is we will blame God. Or we'll blame someone else or something else. But well, we start pointing our fingers again, don't we? And can I just say something to the church to, to which I'm called under shepherd? We do it just as bad as anybody out there. There's not really much difference. This will have some directive and corrective uh, tones to it. For that, I, I just need to be faithful. So we want to blame God. People say things like this. I was... I, I'm, I'm exposed to social media news just as much as you are, but Christians were saying, where is God in all of this? Where is God in all of this? Again, think of the prodigal. Think of the story of the prodigal. Where is God in all this? He's right where we left him. We're in the pig pen because we left him. He didn't leave us. And so he's right where we left him. America, listen, America is a prodigal. That's the problem. Sidebar, just kind of like side note, you know, uh, this is to pastors and, and, and leaders and, and Christians. Um, how do I say? Don't be so trigger happy with your truths, small t. We are called to submit to and follow the truth, capital T, Jesus Christ. And he led from the front. He would lean into people who didn't believe or think like he did, but he wouldn't debate or combat with them. He would invite them into his, into his situation. He, wouldn't, he was more invitational than he was confrontational in all that he said and did. But we're trigger happy sometimes as Christians and leaders and pastors. And I got to say, it grieves me what I see. I think it grieves God. Just can't wait. We can't wait to call all of this God's judgment. Listen, I hope you listen to what I'm saying. Quick to say, you know, if, when we call something God's judgment, in some cases, it's the church just abdicating its role and saying, I'm not responsible for what's happened in any way, shape, or form. 
I don't think that should be our attitude. Whether it's an action or not, I don't think that should be our attitude. We're quick to just say, it's, all, it's, every, it's their fault. Look what they've done to themselves. Maybe if the church had behaved like the hope of the world, maybe if the church had been the hands and feet of Jesus, maybe if the church had got out of its comfort zone and out of its callous condition and went into the world, we wouldn't have the world in the condition that it's in right now. And so we got to be careful that we're not saying this is God's judgment. Because G you know what? Judgment... The Father's judgment was put on Jesus. Justice was fulfilled when, when and all of the judgment of God was laid on Jesus. Justice was fulfilled on Calvary 2,000 years ago, and it was complete. It was entire. It was comprehensive. Judgment was fulfilled on God the Father, on His Son. God is not judging His people. We are judging ourselves. It's better preaching than you guys are amening. We have gone our own way. The prodigals have left the father. The father didn't leave the prodigals. And as a result, we're in a pig pen because of our decisions and our choices, not because this is what God wanted for us. No, for generations, he has been warning the people and coming to the people and begging and imploring them through his prophets in the Old Testament and through his church in this new and modern generation. And many of us have not listened and we haven't responded. So God's not judging us, we're judging ourselves. And when we walk away from the safety of God, he'll let you. Again, it's called free will. He won't violate that gift to us. He doesn't create these tragedies and these difficulties. He uses them though, he uses them. I, I, I tell my kids not to do certain things when they were growing up and if they did them, I didn't say, oh, I told you so, I told you so. But I will sit, sit them on my knee and say, now daddy wants to talk to you. Is the pain hurt? Yeah, it hurts, it hurts. Did I tell you not to touch the oven? Yeah. Okay, I love you and I'm gonna pray for you, but what do we learn from this? What, what do you need to do differently now? This is, this is the condition that the church should be in. Responding to the pain that we feel with the attitude and the innocence of a child instead of the rebellion of a teenager, instead of a prodigal spirit. God has prepared us and he's warned us for generations. And he's gonna leverage this. And some people wisely will change when they receive enough, they're able to, when they learn enough, they want to. But unfortunately, most people change when they hurt enough, they have to. And God knows that. And so he will allow certain things to happen to save us, to save us. Pain can save. No pain, no gain at K-N-O-W. But he gives us the solution for chaos in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. I cannot think of a better solution for the societal sins that we are experiencing right now than what we see in 2 Chronicles 7:14, And what we really sometimes don't see is the context by which God was speaking to his people and the context by which the people were speaking to God. The prodigal in the people was saying, I got it, I'm okay, I'm gonna go out on my own. I, I, I'm large in, in charge. I'm going to be in control of my old life. And the Bible tells us in this context that famine came. And the locusts came and began to steal and destroy. Modernize that. That's just the Old Testament version of our New Testament news right now. 
There is a spiritual famine in poverty. There is a locust that is destroying our planet and people are battling and arguing and debating and disputing instead of lifting up holy hands before God in prayer. This is our world that we're living in right now, right, right in this world we're living in today. And then in all that chaos, in that context, God speaks out, and I believe the same thing that applies then applies to us today. And it says this, if my people, everybody say, I'm his people. Are you his people, yes or no? If my people who are called by my name, he's speaking to his own. He's speaking to his church. He's speaking in a New Testament sense to his bride. We're his church. He's saying, I'm talking to my people right now. So everything I'm going to say is from God, I believe, to his people. Is everybody tracking with me? He says, if my people who are called by my name will first humble themselves, pray, number two, seek my face, number three, and turn from their wicked ways. There's four things that God is trying to say to his church in times like these. Whether you're in the old or the new, the outcomes, excuse me, the situations and scenarios might be different. The outcomes might look very similar, but the root issues are always the same. So he says, if my people will do these things, God's word tells us that I will I will forgive their sin and I will heal them. And I'll hear from heaven. I, I don't know about you, but I need to hear from heaven. That's what I, I'm walking and pacing at 5.30 this morning in my offices. And I'm just like, I don't like not having something to say, God. And I was focused on me. I'm just being honest. And, and until I silenced my soul and just said, God, what do you want to say? What is your word? What is your word? Then he speaks. You have to do the same thing this morning. What is he saying to you through his word? But God's word tells his people what we should do. And when we do what he should do, he, he will hear from heaven. He will forgive our sins and he will heal our land. He says, if my people will humble themselves. Turn to your neighbor and say, humble. Be humble. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm humble. Just kidding. Listen, notice this. The first thing in the recipe for the sins of society isn't pray. It isn't repent. Interesting. It isn't stop doing that. Like a, you know, a disgusted parent. Stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. You know? It says humble yourself. Interesting. The first attitude, the first, the first response is an attitude of the heart. An attitude of humility. And it's a, it's a disposition that affects our position when we begin to pray and do those other things. Now, I can't speak for everyone or to everyone, but again, as I speak to connect specifically, here's, here's something I want to say to you. Be careful about your response to all of this. Don't, don't go on rants online. I, I, I look at stuff and I just see ranting, religious ranting religious ranting if you feel convicted good good the bible says that godly sorrow leads to repentance worldly sorrow leads to condemnation and regret okay so look in other words look inward before you look outward point here before you point anything out out there that's what the recipe for the sins of society from second chronicles through the prophet is telling us humble yourself First, get your attitude right. Is everybody with me? Don't let anger rule you. Let, humi let humility rule your heart. I'm calling connect. This is an exhortive word to be humble. 
We should have a humility, a humble spirit. America's problem is we have become arrogant. We are arrogant. We're an arrogant nation. The Bible tells us there's still a big ring. Pride before fall, right? Pride, then what happens? A fall. A fall. So you think, you think you're better than somebody else. Or it's, it's as early as the, the Genesis account, really. It's, it's, it starts all the way in the beginning. If, we, if, we, if we're not careful, humility will lead to humiliation. That's what happens. Humility comes before us being lifted up. But pride leads us to being falled. I don't know about you, but I don't want as a church to be humiliated. Humble yourself with, with, you know, specifically, I think we need to humble ourselves with people that are different than us. See, your attitude will lead to perspective that we need. And perspective will lead to changes in our behavior. You have to see as God sees before you can do as God says. And in order for you to see like that, we have to have a heart condition that is teachable, that says, I- I'm not, I don't know all the answers. I'm not necess- I don't have the rights and wrongs. I don't think I have it all worked out. And so we have to humble ourselves in order to see things right. You know, recently I was watching, amongst many examples, a news situation where an African-American father was disclosing how every single day how difficult it was to send his son out into the world and and he was advising him and warning him and preparing him for all the safety issues that he could face in the world today and and i'm listening to that and i'm contrasting that with comments that i had recently made to my kids i'm very protective father and cautioning them about certain things you know be safe about this and be careful about that and and, and, and when, and in that moment when I'm listening to this father, I thought of the contrast between what he was telling his child and what I was telling my child, and they were great disparity. And, and I immediately began to grieve and think, oh my gosh, like I see, I see what you're trying to say. Now I'm not saying I could possibly um, empathize with this person, but I want to have a spirit of empathy towards this person. But in order for me to do that, sometimes I need to be able to see what God wants me to see, and I need to have a humility that precedes me being able to see what I need to see. Is anybody tracking with me? I don't think you understand. Don't think because you say you're not prejudiced that you, therefore, are sensitive to what is actually going on in the world today in the culture that we're in. I don't, I don't, I, I don't, I don't feel prejudiced. I don't think I have that in me, but it doesn't mean I care like I should care. In and of itself is a form of prejudice. So we have to be humble. Humble yourself. This is going to totally like something I, I don't know if I can say it the right way, but I remember when my daddy um, sat me down on my 18th birthday. I've never gone public with this, but it's whatever. It is what it is. He sat me down on my 18th birthday to tell me like it was a really big deal to him. And I, I'm going to be very raw right now, so I don't mean to offend anybody by certain comments that I make. This is just my story. And he sat me down and he wanted to tell me that I have black blood in my lineage. And even just saying black right now is offensive. White's not, but black is. It's, it's, it, we're living in a very hostile culture. So he was telling me this and it was a serious moment for him because he wanted to kind of prepare me for this reality. 
But I was in a very frivolous and foolish condition. I didn't believe, I, I don't believe I was prejudiced. I don't believe I had any prejudice. But as he's telling me that, I just responded just kind of foolishly like, oh, that explains why I have these little small ears. Oh, that explains, you know, why I have this little extra here. Oh, that explains why I can hop, you know, on the basketball court. Now that's not so much the case. I got my feet planted firmly on a firm foundation. But uh, back then, I could jump a little bit. And I just thought, oh, that explains that, explains that. And he didn't break a smile. He just kind of looked at me like in shock, like, that's your response? And, and, and he proceeded to tell me some of the stories that he went through where he was, you know, whatever percentage I am. It's a low, low percentage, just so, just so you know, uh, uh, that part of me, but a little more for my father and a little more for his, for his mother. And, and, and he was considered kind of like in the middle, like a, like a half-breed when he was growing up. And on one half, he wasn't accepted. And the other half, he wasn't accepted. And he was going through his rejection and his story. And then he was telling me the culture that he was lived in and how hard it was for African Americans at this time and, and how, how significant the prejudice was. And all these stories started rushing through my mind. And I began to think, oh my gosh, I suddenly had had a an attempt at a spirit of empathy and, and, and opened my eyes. The only way your eyes are gonna open to whatever's going on in your world today is through humility. That's what I'm trying to say. Not pride-like, not just a foolish, frivolous, cavalier attitude. Is, is anybody hearing me? Can you give me a little feedback like I'm making sense? I hope I'm coming through to you right now. We need to humble ourselves in order to understand. James chapter 4, verse 10 tells us: humble yourself before his mighty hand and he will lift you up here's the second thing that we do we need to listen I, I just can I just say something I didn't want to do this this morning I have a, a little bit of a fear about what I'm even talking about because I don't want to mess it up because it's and because it's so sensitive but yet you're coming to a church where we don't just kind of put everything in a little bag and make it all pretty and make sure everything's perfect like sometimes we just need to talk and just be transparent and kind of work it out so I'm not saying I got it all worked out I'm just saying what I hear God saying, and I'm open. I'm open. If you're getting godly advice from him and godly counsel, and you can show me the word, I want to listen to you. But I, I, I'm just, I'm here. I'm in this position, so I'm just trying to do my best. I hope that makes sense. Number two, we need, we need to pray. Everybody say pray. Listen, <laughs> when's the last time you prayed for your nation instead of complained about it? Let that sink for just a second. There's tons of scripture about this. And we are exhorted as Christ's body to pray for our nation, for our leaders, for the people who are in authority. Whether it be Romans 13 or 1 Timothy chapter 2, it's all throughout the Bible. I think we are so quick as a church to point the finger, to make points and not make a difference. And we make a difference when we pray. Prayer changes things that are going on. We need to be a praying church where we petition heaven and we seek God. Call to him as if he's your only hope because he is our only hope according to his word. We can't just say it and sing about it. We need to actually believe it as God's church. Amen. Psalm 145, 18 says the Lord is near to those who call on him. Who call on him in truth. Psalm 34, 18 says, you know, that he's near to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Some people feel crushed by all that is happening in our culture today. And the Bible says that he'll be near to those who are in that broken and contrite state. Are you broken and contrite for the condition of America today? We need to get to that place. And I pray that God shakes some of you, that he shake me as well, where I'm not just about me and my comfort 
comforts in my, my personal condition, but I'm concerned about things that God is concerned about. Because when you make his agenda your agenda, he'll make your agenda his. We need to put him first in all things. Amen? The third thing he says is seek my face. Everybody say, seek my face. Just so you know, how does that differentiate between prayer and seeking his face? I thought they were the same thing. Well, just if you look at the, the, the scriptures as a whole, his face refers to, refers to his character. Because here's what's interesting. The difference between my face and my character, sometimes there's a disparity. But there's no disparity between the face of God and the character of God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same on the inside as he is on the outside, and the outside as he is on the inside. So when you're looking at his face, just like your face is reflected in water, his character is reflected in his face. His character refers to his ways, his ways or his will. We need to pray his will be done. His ways be our ways. This is a problem in the church today. The church sometimes doesn't look like, excuse me, it looks like the rest of the world instead of different than the rest of the world. We are seemingly being followers instead of leaders in the world. We are following after the world instead of following after God and his ways. We need to return to the ways of God and to the will of God. We should seek that more. Amen, 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 amen. Yeah, yeah. Praise the Lord. I hope you, I hope you feel tricked by that. Maybe I'm poking the bear this morning, but maybe the bear is sleeping a little too long. The church has a lot of muscle in it, but, but, but it's really, it's really been, it's like, what is, when a bear sleeps for a long time, what's that called again? Uh, everybody said at the same time, I think, hibernation. Like, that sounded like hibernation. Oh, that. So the church is in hibernation in some respects. We need to get, we need to waken Awake, O oh Israel, you know? The Bible says, you know, if, you, if you're struggling with this, you're like, well, I don't know where I'm not following, then the, then the Holy Spirit will show you. It says in Psalm 139, search me, O God, see if there be any offensive way in me, any offensive way. Notice that, that word way, that's referring to his character, his ways. Then it says, again, lead me in the way everlasting. He's talking about his character. We need to have the very character of God in our lives because our Father knows best. Isn't it the, the, the show I used to watch when I was a little kid? Father Knows Best. Anybody ever watch that show? I'm dating myself right now. But, but, the, but, son, but sons and daughters, sometimes we, we're living as prodigals who think we know what's best. That's the problem in America. America's judging itself. America has walked away from a father who knows what's best for us. He's not trying to restrict us. He's trying to protect us. But when we walk away, he can't protect us. We're out from underneath the safety, the shelter of the, of the Most High. But if we dwell under the wings of the Most High, then we're protected. But if we come out from underneath that, we're going to be in a pig pen and a whole bunch of mess. Ask God, where are you out of his will? And he will show you. Here's the fourth point, and we're going to pray in, in just a few minutes. Turn from your wicked ways. Everybody say turn. Now, again, he's talking to his people, right? Okay? So he's telling us to turn. Turn means to repent. Or in, in, the, in the New Testament Greek language, it means metanoia. It means changing your, your thinking, changing your mind. Or sometimes it can mean a second uh, definition would be changing direction. You were going this way. Okay, now I'm going to go this way. You know what the church does a lot of? It doesn't do 180s. It does 360s. We pirouette a little too much at the pulpit. We pirouette a little bit too much in our Christian experience. We just twirl around, yay God, right back to the world. 
we twirl around in church and pirouette in church and we go right out of the, the house of God right back into the world looking just like the rest of the world. We need to turn from our wicked ways. Whatever he shows you, do that. So I, I don't know what that's going to be for you personally. I know some things that he showed me personally, you know, dealing with certain things of indifference and neglect and not being faithful in prayer and all kinds of things like that and even more that I'm not going to tell you about here. But I was thinking about our nation as a whole. And I want to give, give you some things that we're gonna, we're, we can continue to pray about beyond today. Is, is everybody still with me this morning? Here's, here's some things, and this will be strong. But as a nation, I think we need to repent in several areas. And I know you, you, know, you didn't expect this, so you may not be ready to take notes, but these are good. Uh, as a nation, I think we, we need to repent for our complete and total disregard for the sanctity of life. Okay? Now, I, I, I'm not just talking about unborn babies. I'm talking about, I'm specifically uh, targeting a murderous spirit. It's a spirit. See, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, the Bible says. The Bible tells us our battle is not carnal. But yet the church leaves this environment and goes out and behaves in a natural world when we're supposed to be fighting in a spiritual world. The battle is one. See, I don't understand what you're talking about. See, this is the part where prayer comes in, where there are, whether you believe this or not, in Scripture, Ephesians tells us this, 2 Corinthians tells us this, there are these um, ruling forces over certain areas. The Bible says there's these principalities and these powers and rulers of darkness in and over certain areas or locales. I think in America today, we have a murderous spirit a stronghold that needs to be torn down. But it needs to come down in the church before it's going to come down in America. Listen, this offends people if you say this the wrong way. All lives matter, but all lives matter to God. They might not all matter to everybody else. I could say all lives matter, and you could say a certain ethnic group, they matter, and you could say another ethnic group, they matter. But at the end of the day, what we need to know from God's word to his church is that all lives matter to God. For God so loved the world. Every ethnos, every people group, every unchurched, irreligious group, every church denomination, whoever it is, God so loved the world. All people matter to God, and they should matter to us as well. And to the extent that they don't, that's why we need to look inward before we look outward. That's why we need to point at ourselves before we point at anybody else. Here's my second concern, or I think we need to repent for as a nation, and that is our justification for anger. Our justification for anger. I'm amazed, literally. I, I'm amazed at how... In my covenant marriage with my wife, we can have a disagreement and still be in love and committed to one another. But you can have a disagreement with somebody in our culture today and that is justification for them saying they hate you or you hate them. See, truth is never a justification for hatred or isolation. Never. Jesus was the full and total embodiment of truth in the flesh he could walk in truth but he never had to hate or isolate himself from anyone and we are Jesus to the world or we should be 
And so there is this horrible thing. I disagree with you. And then commentary after commentary and comment after comment. And news says this and blogs say that. And social media says this. And this hatred is coming out. It's a spirit. There's a murderous spirit and there's an anger spirit in our world today. And we need to make sure it is not in the church of Jesus Christ in any way, shape, or form. And we need to route it out completely, comprehensively, and entirely. We need to repent for a spirit of anger. Do not become angry, the Bible says. We can have a righteous indignation, but it says be angry and sin not. But we are angry in many cases, and therefore we are falling into sin. And sometimes it's because of what you're watching, and because of what you're listening to, and as a result, it affects what you say. What you watch and what you listen to, thoughts, words, deeds. It's the cycle of sin, but it's also the cycle of surrender. If you put the right things in through your eye, be careful little eyes, what you see. Careful little ears, what you hear, there's a father up above. He's looking down in love, so be careful little eyes and little ears and little mouth. What you see, say, speak. Is everybody tracking with me? You need to have a, a healthy diet on God's word and on daily devotion with God. If you want to know what to say in what situation, you know, divine recall is a result of daily devotion. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. This offering freaks me out. Well, stop going to Google and start going to God. Start looking at his word and hiding it in your heart so that you won't be angry and sin against God. He'll give you a word in season and a timely thing to say in every situation. Amen? Here's my third point. Is everybody still okay? You going to like me after this? All right. Praise the Lord. This one's, this one's tough too. Our views on sexuality. This is the thing I think our nation needs to repent for. I think these are all connected. And so I think there's a spirit of murder. A murderous spirit. I think there's an angry spirit. And then I think there's a hedonistic spirit. So I'm not going to get into the particular manifestations of our, of our issues with sexuality. I think these, again, are all outcomes of root issues. Fundamentally, the root issue is I have these feelings and I'm justified in expressing these feelings however I want. It's hedonism. And so while I believe God has, God gave us feelings, emotions, and thoughts, he, that's what he does. He has thoughts, emotions, and feelings. We're, we're, we're a reflection of him. But, but just because we have these thoughts, emotions, feelings, doesn't mean we have to act on those. Some of those things are at war. You have a nature, sinful nature, that is at war with a godly nature to them that have called upon the name of the Lord. And, and if, you, if you ever feel that tension in that war, that is just verification or confirmation that you are in Christ. Paul said it in Romans 7. There's tons of examples in Galatians 5 where there's just this war between the spirit and the flesh, the spirit and the flesh. But just because there's that war, just because we have those feelings of the flesh, doesn't mean we surrender to those feelings of the flesh or follow those things. And unfortunately, the church of Jesus Christ is followed after the flesh just as much as the world who is just being consistent with their sinful nature. Whereas we've been given a new nature in Christ Jesus. His nature has been, and his righteousness has been imputed to us. And we need to walk in that and be led by the Spirit. Those are the sons of God. And then we will not gratify or satisfy the sinful desires of the flesh instead of being led by the flesh that leads to hedonistic behaviors egregious behaviors in our culture today we're called to walk in the fruit of the spirit one of those fruits is temperance or self-control listen the church should have some self-control jesus was tempted at all points just as we are 
You say, when will I never be, when will I stop being tempted? Or when you're dead. Praise God. The flesh will be dead. But until then, there will be this war. And we need to learn to walk by the Spirit, as Galatians 5 tells us. Is everybody tracking with me right now? We don't just give in to that flesh. We don't just give in to that carnal nature. We need to exercise self-control and allow God's spirit to rule and reign in our life. How do we do that? We need to be in relationship with him. We need to humble ourselves before him. We need to pray. We need to seek his face. And we need to stop doing the things that he's already told us to do. Do what, not what our feelings tells us, but what God's word says to us. Is everybody with me? I want you to stand to your feet because I want to pray.